Web3 with me is a discussion style podcast about the ins and outs of Web 3.0, hosted by Zach French, known as Off Edge in the verse. From crypto to NFTs, DAOs to DeFi, we cover the abstract philosophical promises and the new business models enabled in this new decentralized world. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or watch the show on YouTube. Thanks and enjoy. Zach French is a bar certified attorney and nothing expressed by Zach during Web3 with me shall be considered legal advice. All the opinions expressed by Zach and his guests are solely their own opinions. All content in Web3 with me is for informational purposes only. Zach and his podcast guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed during Web3 with me. Thanks so much for tuning in to Web3 with me. It is our mission here to educate, and we realize that some basics of Web3, like WTF is a digital wallet, might be helpful for you to know. We will be releasing a series of short videos on YouTube and Reels to help cover these high-level topics. We hope they're useful for us, and feel free to leave us feedback. My guest today is Marsha Caporn, Chief Revenue Officer of Credenza, a Web3 company that facilitates direct-to-fan relationships while creating new revenue opportunities in the areas of advertising, sponsorship, content, ticketing, merchandise, and game day executions. Marsha is laser-focused on the importance of fan engagement and optimizing your professional athlete window. As a former professional golfer and soccer player, she knows the importance of maintaining a strong relationship with your fans. She is a former business and employment law litigator turned sports executive, which has helped her specialize in strategy and development in emerging revenue sectors for sports partners in both Australia and the US. As CRO of Credenza, she is working to revolutionize how fans interact with their favorite athletes and teams. LFG, baby, let's start by them. Uh, welcome to the show, Marsha. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me, Zach. Yeah, I'm super excited for this conversation. I appreciate Brian for for recommending you you come on and it sounds like you're working on some awesome stuff that I think the the audience will really enjoy. So um, I always start these episodes with the the same opening question because I want them to get to know who you are. Uh, I call it your founding story. Um, so you're really, I'm really looking for things that are, you know, what makes Marsha Marsha? Um, why you are the person you are today? That can be Web3 related, but it can also be a little bit more your backstory. So feel free to start wherever you want. Um, I think in a word, I'm kind of an oblivious athlete, you know, and it's funny now I'm in sport, but I really, you know, coming up, Title IX had just kind of passed. So my parents were oblivious to the fact that, you know, this could be a tool to go to college and there was no pro tours. And so I really got to play probably in the last generation of athletes that kind of just didn't look up. We just played to play and kind of, um, I just so happened as I was graduating school, I got to go pro in the first women's soccer league. Um, but unfortunately, like two weeks in, I was at, I left school early. So I left Stanford early. I'd played soccer and golf at Stanford, left early and was sitting in preseason. And they're like, okay, we're going to fold the league if you guys don't make some concessions. And so, you know, as a young athlete, I sat there like, what? Like, what just happened? You know, I just like my future, like everything I'd kind of been planning. Um, and I remember sitting in that room being like, Oh my God, how did this happen? And so I spent a lot of that season in front offices 
being like, you know, how did this happen? You know, how do, you know, how did we get here? And you just realize I learned a lot about bad contracts and bad business decisions. And, um, you know, I'm glad the league's back, you know, it's been a couple runs, more resets, but, um, on the heels of that, I went back to law school because I wanted to learn a skill. And there was a lot of lawyers, you know, in the middle of all of it. And so I figured that was like my fastest way to get a skill that I could add value. So I went back to law school and ended up being a litigator um, in San Francisco, um, business and employment, because every business kind of needs employment lawyers. And so I figured that would be kind of a cool path for me back to business. And then I married a basketball coach. (laughs) Can't get um, away from the sports. (laughs) Literally can't. Again, oblivious athlete. Like it just not really planning anything and it just kind of serendipitously happening. And so, and he's Australian. So his job took us to Australia where he was coaching and we were there for seven years. And I quickly realized for a while I was trying to do remote work with the law firm in San Francisco I was with, but I was like, this isn't scale. Like this isn't, you know, most likely we're not going to end up in California. Most likely I can't. And so I ended up, um, you know, getting into sport there. I worked with the Australian sports foundation, but I really went back to, to get my MBA and, you know, jumped into the business side of a sports company, P1440, which is a beach volleyball company. Um, and post pandemic, I realized I didn't really want to do live events. And our investor said, go figure out web three. That's the future. She's like, go look at how it applied to athletes and how it would apply to NIL, which is name, image, and likeness for anyone who's not um, deep in the um, new college space. And so I was really blessed that she just let me nerd out for three months and go deep into it. And so it was funny because I was a little taken back by the approach some of them were taking. Like they were kind of leaving the athlete out. It was very much like, hey, we're going to buy up all these rights and then we're going to do everything. But it like didn't have a relationship with the ecosystem at all. Um, and so I was really excited to get connected with our founder who, Sandy, um, he had already started and sold a blockchain ticketing company to Ticketmaster. And so he kind of had gotten back into it to kind of solve problems he thought NFTs were missing. You know, it was like, where's the utility? How can actually blockchain technology disrupt sports um, and the ecosystem, which is where I believed, you know, solutions would, were needed. And so I jumped on that team and, you know, didn't really see it coming. <laughs> Wasn't planning on it. Again, the obliviousness. <laughs> I'm in sport and I but obviously a hard worker if you're going and getting your JD and your MBA (laughs) yeah well I mean that's the athlete part of you you know athletes just find a way to get it done and that's not the first time I've heard that I had a college basketball player on the podcast and I might have been off air but he 100% said the same thing is that he could go in and you give him a goal and he'll figure out to get it done doesn't matter what it is yeah yeah, like my my biggest thing I like wish I knew younger is like to not be in so insecure about being an athlete because you have really sometimes no work experience. You just but what the athletes don't realize or I didn't realize is it kind of turned me into a little machine. You know, you're really good at taking feedback, you really know how to set goals, like 
And so like, you know how to work on a team. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, depending yeah. on your sport, maybe not golf as much as golf, but soccer. Uh, soccer. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, yeah. And then I landed here and like, obviously learning, you know, like a, a fire hydrant, um, and it's all changing, but it's been, you know, that's the road here. <laughs> yeah. I think the, uh, the analogy that people most use, like use to, to resemble that is like web, web three time right? Like there's a certain like time stamp where it's like a month in the real world is about a year in web three. Yeah. <laughs> so you just have to keep learning and learning. That's so cool that the investor uh, in the, your previous company was the one that told you to go check out web three and then gave you the time to do it. What, like that had to be the real fire hose. Not that we're not still drinking from fire hoses here. What was your first like bit of research? Were you like listening to podcasts? Were you reading articles? Who were you following? I'm so interested to hear. Yeah. Well, it was funny. It was twofold. So yes, I was reading like crazy and following podcasts and also just looking at what people were doing, you know, because at that point, NFTs were kind of out. I could go do a deep dive and like, what are they doing? What are the founders actually write about? How are they describing their product? Um, and then you use that kind of, anchoring point to then go to your own research and like okay how does this actually work um and what else can it do and so it was kind of that like okay let me go look at what a company in the space is actually doing and then let me go back because otherwise if you just read the books you're like wait what what just you know, happened like, yeah like can you give me an example and so it was that was really helpful for me you know and you can really nerd out with some of these really smart ceos um and they'll really kind of guide you what year was that by the way when was that that was the end of last year the end of 2021 so yeah. I, I guess for for context there uh we are at the probably the tip of the bull market at that point maybe starting yeah. to like hints hints of a bear market are coming into fruition uh but with that you you have a plethora of what to do and what not to do out there <laughs> where you, where you can take a look and see like what successful nft projects are doing as brands you can see start to see these applications i mean the the blockchain ticketing for me really was picking up around them because there had been a massive uh, of, uh nft nyc later of that in that year and like ticketing was a nightmare yeah. Um, so you start to see these other companies popping up at that point. So that's interesting. So you were doing the research for a while. And then at what point did you get hooked up um, with your current team? Yeah, I think it was, I think I maybe met with them in November. And then in December, we got really serious. And then January was kind of all in, you know, yeah. and off to the races. Yeah. So in January, we're, we're, start, we're starting to enter the actual bear market. What um, was it just like? What was the mindset at the company at that point? Or is it just like, let's build, let's build, let's do this? Yeah. Well, I was actually kind of like, this is the best thing ever because, um, you know, I've done it on a couple of panels and I actually even had someone come up to me. I'm like, NFTs is like a terrible term. And it's, and this just proves how young this market is because that is a technical term. And that just shows that marketers haven't even entered the, the like the realm yet. We're not talking value props. We're not actually describing things for the value they are to the, the customer. We've like created this total technical term and like have a new asset class. And it really is looping too much into one thing. And so um, it was fun because it's like, okay, we'll let that die. And then we can like focus on, you know, how do we connect ecosystems with decentralized um, tools and like, how do you like get them off the shiny ball 
and mm-hmm. on to maybe other applications that could really mean something for their business. Yeah, that that is a, a good way of putting the speculative nature of what NFTs became a use case for, right? Uh, I I have fallen victim to this, but I think a lot of people do when you are early to the space, early, uh, and, and NFT is the word. When you start to hear other words, you're like, oh, that's not authentic. But honestly, it's not about being authentic, right? It doesn't have to be exactly what it is. What you need is for people to be able to understand it. And yeah. that technical barrier, it's high. Yeah. 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 Well, and especially when, you know, you talk to people and they're like, oh, it's all buzzwords. And they're like, oh, smart contract buzzword. I'm like, no, that's not actually a buzzword. That's like a technical term. <laughs> and you realize people are just talking over these people's heads, especially when you go into like the athlete state. They don't have a technical background. They don't even have business backgrounds. And they're super insecure about all of that. It's kind of like, you know, you just have to slow down and instead of talking. And like, I don't even want them to know they're on the blockchain. It's kind of like, this is how I'm going to make your life better. This is how I'm going to make you you know, get paid. This is how you're going to have royalties. This is how your life's better than where you are today. You know, and if I can do that, then I feel like I've really embraced Web3. Yeah. that Well, you've embraced, I think, one of the core concepts of Web3 that, you know, is kind of goes back to the earlier terms, which is that concept of WAGME, right? Like, you know, I love the, that idea of that. I think it got conflated with the idea of we're all going to be rich as opposed mm-hmm. to we are all going to make it. But like what it is, is like, you know, at its fundamental level, it just means that the individual, the power's now back with the individual and that the te- the people that interact with the individual, they're also going to do well by interacting with them, whether they're a collector or a fan or what have you, or attendee to a concert or something like that. Yeah. And I really do, you know, hope that, you know, this NFT scare kind of settles and, you know, that people don't just give up on it because there are good ways to pivot and use it for value. And I've seen like, I think autographs doing a great job of like, you know, how does this become kind of a new fan club? How do you engage and connect with a fan closer? Um, I think the ones that have completely outsourced and cut the athlete out of it's going to always struggle because, mm-hmm that's not the point if the point is to have all the stakeholders connected um and so for me it'll be exciting to see how fans are empowered to share and they make you know dividends off of supporting fans and or like athletes or brands they love and how really you know your loyalty to you know brands or you know we're in the sports space or a team can really just be amplified yeah, that's a perfect segue into Credenza, your current uh, organization. Very fascinating stuff. I've got to see it on the back end when we met before this. Um, it looks awesome, but let's explain to the audience what you're doing now and what the, what the product is for. Yeah, so really where we, we focus on in sports is basically, you know, the meat and potatoes for teams, which is ticketing, merchandise, content, and concessions. Like you have these, um, these huge pillars for them, you know, sponsorship in there. And really what ends up happening is they, because they've outsourced all these vendors from web two, they have these little fiefdoms, you know, and they're all very um, siloed. And then they get fed into a system that's not really dynamic. It's just kind of a funnel after the fact where web three really solves this problem of all these little domains that are in silos and can enable the teams to reconnect them 
can enable athletes to reconnect across them. And so we're really focused on that connective tissue, you know, using um, blockchain wallets in kind of a more custodial way of how the fan and how the team can basically have one fan ID, one fan management system across all their vendors. That's really cool. So I guess if I was a fan of the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta um, and we had a fan club called like, whatever, Rahu Braves, um, <laughs> you know, like what, what would that look like if Credenza was working with the Braves? If I was to, to log on, what, where would I, what would I see? What would I do? Yeah. Well, so that like the way we see it is, okay, you buy your membership on yahoobraves.com. Well, when you go then to atlantabraves.com and you kind of log in, you should be immediately recognized as all of your things. Like, are you a Yahoo fan club member? You're a season ticket holder. And so that kind of identity travels with you um, to that second domain. And then let's say the league's like also a part of this network. Well, now when you go to the league, they know you're a member of the like Yahoo Braves fan club and so and maybe the fanatics gives you immediate discounts so your privileges your identity it's all all your privileges are really dynamically given to you as you you cross all of them it's like i almost think sometimes it's like if you're a triple a card member Mm -hmm. it's like immediately getting all your discounts when you go to that domain like the fact you got to go look up the number and type it in is crazy like and with decentralized you know blockchain technology it should be dynamic like that the way you can just look to the website, be like, oh, it's this person, they have this privilege, give them this discount, can be dynamic across all of them. And then really, I think there's going to be cool developments with, you know, how you dynamically reward people, how you give them, like airdrop them, you know, in the stadium, how do you engage them real time, where a lot of the times it's after the fact, because you're not getting the data from the ticketing people and in a manageable and engaging way where you can have like a quick like value transfer to them. Is there going to be, or is there already a integration uh, into the IRL experience for the fans when they're going to the stadiums? Yeah. Um, We have like a, a scanner we're working on that's like blockchain. So it's time since you can't kind of scan it and then, it will like dynamically allow anyone at the stadium for meet and greets or anything within the stadium to like say, you know, who is this person based off privileges? What do they, what do they got into their POS systems? Like um, really trying to, like I said, concessions, all their touch points really connect them. Yeah. That's interesting. So they're basically you're pulling up a QR code or the equivalent yeah. of a QR code. It's like your ID. It's like your, you know, but yeah. Yeah, makes a lot of sense for a founder of a ticketing company to be able to, to yeah. do that. Uh, it just it seems you know from you know, when I think about it from the back end, I'm just like, wow, that seems so daunting to go in and figure out all the different POS systems, all the different websites. But I guess a lot of great companies start by doing the really hard things. Yeah, well, and that's I think. The, the good thing about sport is there's a couple major players and there's constantly con- like consolidations. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, which is like always so impressive working in this space is it's like five lines of JavaScript to enable any web two platform to be able to run with, um, you know, a connected like web three wallet. Um, and so if they're willing to kind of embark with 
you know, creating that network, it's not that hard because it's not a whole software reconfiguring. So who are you, who are your customers? It sounds like your users are the fans, but it sounds like your customers are the leagues and the organizations. Yeah. So we work with um, some USL teams. We're talking with several NHL um, organizations. Um, but yeah, um, it could be the team. It could be the league. It could be a stadium. Um, stadiums are actually really interesting because they want to not know who's in seat 5A. They want to know who you are. And if you like country, they want to start dropping the concert that's coming up in that stadium, you know? And so they want to be able to go across all their properties, not just, you know, maybe their team that rents the stadium or that they own, but, you know, all their vendors that are in there, how do they cross promote all of them to help have success? The dream is like all the Atlanta teams kind of come together and from like hockey to basketball to baseball like all those fans, you could really share that experience across all of them. Oh, we don't talk about hockey here. No. <laughs> Our team moved to Winnipeg. It was oh, so sad. Was yeah. uh, no, I was just joking. But like it, it was, it, the Thrashers were here, 11 seasons, no playoff wins. Uh, so they got taken to a place where, uh, where they do some winning. But yeah, no, I, I totally get what you're saying. And it's interesting. It, it really just sounds like a way to tighten the feedback loop with, yeah. with yeah. your with your fans is like, Hey, I didn't control any of this before the, the down to the athlete level. Definitely not. And at the organizational level, maybe a little bit. Right. But what you're doing, what credenza is doing is you're t- saying, Hey, we're going to give you a direct line to your fans because we can connect all this through one thing, the digital yeah. wallet. Right. Yeah. And once you have the digital wallet, then we're good. How, what is the, I guess, one of, the, one of the things that I try to tackle being a Web3 educator is uh, education, uh, to, to sound punny. But m- more importantly, how do I get people to understand how to participate? Um, you know, it's, you know, I, I made a video of this and it will come out at some point. It's like, oh, I'm trying to create these one minute videos to, to help people understand it super simply. But like, this is not simple. Go connect your bank account to a centralized exchange like Coinbase, then create a wallet that's appropriate to the cryptocurrency or blockchain that you bought that, that uh, cryptocurrency is for. Uh, then you got to transfer it there. Then you got to connect that wallet to another website. So how are you guys kind of simplifying that? How are you tackling, like, I guess the onboarding for fans? Okay. So um, to onboard to our wallet, um, you basically verify your email or your phone number through a link and you're logged in. Oh, blockchain. Oh, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, step one, and then we take fiat. And obviously, we've built in the systems where you can connect with your MetaMask, and we can allow you, based on how savvy you are, to opt up. But if you want to just literally use a credit card, if you want, if a team wants to have like stored value, kind of like a Starbucks card that you want to like add fifty dollars to it, you know, because that saves the team all this, you know, credit card charges. They can do that. And then you can do these microtransactions. So it's like for us, it's like, how do you move them slowly? So they're used to fiat. They're used to like, you know, charging up their card and spending it across the domains. So how do we take them from there and then be like, oh, and then now if you use crypto and like, God, who knows when, um, now you can do microtransactions for pennies, you know? And so it's, there eventually will be enough upside where the brands are like, we really want them to use crypto because it's so cheap but the fans aren't there yet. So we are kind of focused on step one is like, let's get them on blockchain with like one click. Mm -hmm. 
That's great. That's awesome. I mean, I'm trying to think, I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear your onboarding story for if, if you've like, per, like when you've purchased NFTs or crypto or whatever, but like mine was like, I went to Nifty Gateway and I put it on my credit card. Yeah. And I was good to go. I think I signed in with Google maybe at the point. Yeah. Or something. No, with, on, uh, on Top Shots, I signed in with Google, but the same idea, right? It was like one or two clicks. I'm used to connecting my, my credit card to websites. Like that's yeah. not unheard of. Um, and so I, then I was able to spend on my credit card and I didn't even know what ETH really was other than it was a cryptocurrency at that point. Uh, but then two or three months in, then OpenSea became a thing. And then I had to find out what it was, but that was... It's interesting. It kind of goes back to a model I heard earlier uh, in, in another podcast I was listening to. Uh, it was they were talking about how everybody's trying to onboard people into crypto by getting them to buy crypto or NFTs or something like that. Meanwhile, if you just give them something for free that may at some point be exchanged or used with crypto or NFTs, you got a lot higher. It's a longer it's a longer term game that you're playing, but you got a lot higher probability of more people onboarding. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, if you also focus on, you know, not the traditional collectible NFT, but the, you know, using smart contracts to create membership or loyalty programs, which is what I think I showed you. And so now they're actually incentivized to actually log in and do transactions and actions. And, you know, they don't even realize they're, you know, getting all this stuff ledgered on the blockchain, but it's high value for the team like you said, you're kind of training them without them knowing that, oh, NFT crypto. And I think that's been a huge, again, it's like, what does the fan want versus what you want? And yeah. I don't think they've been like in the customer shoe. They're like, well, I want this. So do what I say <laughs> a little bit too much. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. I, I want to ask, going back to when you were recommended Web3 and you dove in, were you playing uh, Oblivious Marsha at that point? Or was there like something you read or heard or, or otherwise that just kind of clicked? And you were just yeah. like, this it is was, it. It was Oblivious Marsha. I was like, <laughs> he's like one of the smartest people I know. And so yeah. I'm like, if she's saying this is the future, yeah. like I better like pay attention. There's few people, you know, you're just like, okay, she's across all of it. Like she's saying it like, here we go. Like I'm all in. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was just really, really lucky. Yeah. At one point, I don't know if you want to mention her publicly, but I'd love to know who it was. Maybe you can, we can DM about it, but that's, yeah. that's super interesting to, to talk to people that were that, you know, that, that high conviction that they could convince you uh, that you needed to basically change your whole career path to go do this. Well, I don't think she'll kill me, but it's Teresa Gao. She's, Teresa Gao. She's one of the founding managing partners for Crew Capital. Oh, okay. A great fund. Yeah, I'll have to take a look. Does she does she write any content or anything like that? Um, I wouldn't say that's her core. She's like more security tech. You know, okay. she's done a lot around security, but she has partners. Vishal is kind of, I think, their lead there. And I was able to connect with him as I dug a lot deeper. But she had made some personal investments and obviously was across it as they share, you know, the different, everyone has different leads. So she's definitely across it. Yeah. Um but yeah, I definitely, everyone should definitely check out their fund. They like invest in like a lot of women and diversity and have two funds. So that's awesome. Yeah. I'll put a link for it in the, the show notes um, to make sure that everybody can check that out. Cause I find that, um, you know, a lot of the big names with the big funds get a lot of the publicity and look, they do a, a lot of good thought leadership. A 16 Z comes to mind. Um, 
But then there are plenty of, you know, smaller funds or funds that are focused on certain aspects and certain types of founders that are really fighting the good fight and are have just as high conviction about Web3. They just, you know, have a, a more of a niche audience they're serving or a more specific purpose or thesis that they're they're facilitating rather than like everything everywhere. Yeah. Um, which you kind of get the vibe for We're like these really large funds. They've, they've got to, they've got to diversify into a bunch of bunch of different companies um so what is what does the future look like for credenza we've talked about how uh you're you're closing basically the distribution channel to to be linked into one channel and being able to serve content where you are as opposed to um you know every single time getting a new experience what what is it going to look like in the future is there going to be like token drops is there going to be nfts or are you shying away from that um what does it look like well, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if sports wants a front end solution or back end solution, because I think um, businesses really can create back end blockchain solutions the customers don't even know about and can kind of reconfigure their current logins. So for me, I think fans might not even know, you know, that they're on blockchain and that the slowly organizations are moving their systems onto it and basically demanding vendors like, Hey, if you want to work with me, we're going to use smart contracts to leverage your contract with us and your assets. And here's kind of your token to do business with me and the fans don't know. And then it'll be when their confidence, I think around the security of the fan experience, I think the wallets and the NFTs getting stolen has scared a lot of people of like, Ooh, like, do we want to do that? Cause are we the bad guys? Like someone is an idiot with their codes. And so that's like a dance, I think, depending on, you know, the, the customer. But I, I, I think that all sports will be working on some kind of blockchain application um, across their business, just because it, it gets, puts them back in control. And so as they learn, you know, away from nfts but really how blockchain is decentralized and it's gonna like you said a new data a new network like system that's way more them first them center um it's gonna be really powerful and then i think it's all about what kind of cool gimmicks are they controlling for the fan to make them excited to engage with their platforms or shop or you know you can airdrop on stuff like how are you driving value dynamically to them at scale that you know just gets them excited and it's kind of perfect timing. It's sad to say recession is like a good time, but it's a time you have to get creative and savvy to kind of get the most up for your consumer out of their dollar. And this is a way at scale and cost efficiently to really reward your loyalty and coming back and, you know, putting your money towards that team you love. Yeah. So. I mean, the more that you talk, the more I think about how little, the words tokens and NFTs need to be a thing for that, right? Like the more I think about it, it's like, uh, you know, what what would the the Braves points like? Why why can't they not be called Braves points? Oh, they yeah. show up they show up in your wallet, and the in the in the currency is Braves points, right? It doesn't need to say, you know, cryptocurrency, uh, and then from an NFT perspective, you know, badges, right? Badges are it's the same idea. Yeah. Um, do you ever get any? pushback about this problem being solvable from a web two standpoint, or do you think that it is just like, if so, if not, or if so, like, how do you retort that? Yeah. I mean, if it's not cross domain, 
if you're not trying to manage across different providers and I can, I, I get it, you know, yes, you can do token, like you can ch shut up a gate and like you log in, you get behind that gate and you see the stuff. Um, but a lot of these teams are across different domains or they want to have a network with their sponsors. They want to be able to drive their fans to their site and then get credit for it and really show an ROI on the like sports investment. And so I mean, everyone has a fee sum. So I do think with cross domain, um, that argument kind of falls flat. But I, I do think when you look at, you know, some of the current use cases, it's easy for you to be like, okay, I can see that. Like I can see if it's your own website and it's content behind a paywall, I get it. But really for these bigger organizations, they always have multiple vendors and they have multiple websites. It's like shop and Shopify or this, like, if they're, you know, they, so it's easy for them to get it. Yeah. No, that I'm, I'm just thinking like, it's almost like the disintermediation of sports or <laughs> any industry is like plays in the favor of web three being the best solution because all you have to do to interact is have a browser extension. Yeah. Right. And, and, and no matter what website I go to, if it can be linked to MetaMask, I I can then sign a contract that says I'm connecting to this website. It doesn't matter what it is, yeah. right? It could be sports. It could be NFTs. It could be whatever. It could be my podcast, yeah. right? If I needed yeah. it for something like that, but that that's interesting. So it's kind of like, if you look at an, the industry from the fact that like, there is so much different stuff going on, but the, the core you know, base is, is like the strong fan base, like these fans, right. That are all about the same thing. And all these websites are, are catering to these same fans. And you found a way to link the individual to all these different ecosystems, as opposed to the ecosystems to each other. Right. Cause you don't really have to, right. Like if the transaction goes in the wallet, then you can do what you need to do on the back end to make sure that a transaction at MLB.com is the same as a transaction at Atlanta Braves.com. Exactly. Right. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, do you have good like visuals that you give when you're on like panels and stuff? Cause I might have to steal some of those to, to put in the show notes. It's out. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah, I can definitely shoot some stuff over for sure. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So outside of your day job, which I'm sure takes up plenty of your time, how else are you participating in web three? Are you doing anything else? Just probably getting out, trying to speak um, is what I'd say. And then reading a lot and listening a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Like you said, like, it's like moving so fast. Like, I mean, I don't even know, like there could be like a daily update, but I mean, everyone's so smart in the space and smarter and smarter people are getting into it. So it's really fun to watch, you know, the space just explode. Yeah. It's, it, I try not to get like the, uh, um, like the group think aspect too much because I feel like when you're with people that are in it, we're all so passionate, right? We're like, duh, like, why are we not? doing this and that with the stuff and um but then when i talk to you know if i go to like a family dinner or something like that it's still like wait, so what are you doing again yeah. like blockchains and scams and like yeah that's <laughs> like money laundering like that yeah I, uh, yeah a little bit of human trafficking no this is legit i promise <laughs> yeah <laughs> But yeah, that's, I mean, that's a whole learning curve and it's, it's funny of like for a while I was like, do I even tell people I work in a blockchain company or <laughs> and like, like fan a, management and like yeah. fan messages and, um, oh, there you go. A fan management system. Yeah. It's, it's FMS. 
Yeah. Jeff and Matt. Powered <laughs> by the blockchain, like in really small, small orders. Small, like, yeah. A blockchain company. A <laughs> <laughs> um, I assume because you said MetaMask, you guys are built on Ethereum. I forgot to ask that question. Yeah, we're Polygon, um, Binance, um, across those. Yeah, one thing I was going to say too is like that we've actually done we try to build into people's apps, but we actually have a floating um, wallet. We didn't go um, browser because you can't use it on mobile. It's not mobile. And so what we, when we were working with MetaMask, you're like, you can't connect when someone's on mobile. Like it's impossible to get their wallets. So we actually designed like a floating web wallet. So what does that even mean? <laughs> well, you wouldn't even really see it because we you can use a button like join now and the person yeah. you don't even need it it can literally look like a normal flow of like you know verify your email log in um but it's more for holding their assets it's like just in the corner and then they put it in their id and their tokens and their you know assets it's like right there for them it's like a little dashboard for them Oh, nice. I bet the UI looks good on that. You could have like your, yeah, you could have some like little symbols there. It says like, I'm a fan of this team and mm-hmm. da, 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 da. Yeah. That's cool. That's you get cool. really with your, your partners. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's awesome. I, I, I love what you're doing. I think it, it is, just, it's always been a core use case. It's just been a question of like, who's going to do it the right way. Right. Um, there's a lot of, I guess um, I was talking to somebody earlier, subcultures, if you will, uh, out there and, and sports fans are one of the most loyal. Um, and if you can give them an experience that rewards their participation, which is one thing blockchain does extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then the organization gets the insight, this feedback loop is tightened between the individual sports fan and the organization. And then eventually the athlete, yeah. right? It's, yeah. it's pretty cool. You're just kind of like squishing them together. You're like, Hey, by the way, you can talk to each other now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not a phone call, but it is, you know, Hey, this person's been to 17 live events this year. This person's bought all kinds of merch this year. And it's all for this one player. Yeah. Well, right? and that's, that's the thing. Yeah. 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 So I, and like, here's a perfect example. I was talking with someone at the Lakers and she's on their digital team and she, she goes, yeah, I get, um, tickets to two games. And then she's like, I oh, like I only go to the Brooklyn Nets games. I was like, why? She goes, oh, because I went to Texas, University of Texas and KD. So she's actually there. And I was like, the fact the Lakers don't know that is crazy. You know, like there's no transaction history that's connecting. And by the way, KD doesn't know she's a super fan and he could probably sell her something like because he's in town and Texas could probably sell her something because all these emotions are happening and she's like primed to do an impulse buy of a meet and greet or come to a dinner or buy his newest swag. But that like that communication loop's not there, which I think Web3 can help solve. Is, is there any role here for um, artists? Have you guys ever talked about uh, like doing like fan art or anything like that. And I'm just, I always like to go back to the art. I have to admit it's a bit of confirmation bias. That's how I got in. Oh, but. Yeah. No, I mean, art is just such a beautiful, like an art and all of its, you know, music and like physical art and digital art. It's just such a, it's like, I actually, have you read the book outliers? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that's why I'm holding my kid back and <laughs> make sure he gets an extra. Um, I what brand, was it Vans that hung out at the skate park to see what the trends were. And then they basically use those little, 
you know, work for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I basically talked to a lot of sneaker, like people that are building their communities, using NFTs and a, a lot of content creators, like there's some writers and that I actually just talked to mm-hmm. and ask like, what are you doing? What are you seeing? How's your discord? And I'm using a lot of that, those feedback loops to help me for like mainstream because ah, they are so much savvier at marketing and understanding their community than like a large institution. Mm-hmm. And so I would say the artists, the little niche communities I'm so excited about. And what I'm really excited about them is like one of the guys I spoke with was like, my dream is like, he has a network of like five little communities where they're all in the same wallet and they can create and share an entity or some kind of like contract with another community that lets them all have a perk and they can kind of share like communities dynamically in, in an instant. And like, he's like, that's really where I think it's going is, you know, there's like way more value in being a part of something um, both for the, like the owners of that community, but the members of that community as well. Yeah. It's like the ability to go cross ecosystem to things that may be seemingly unrelated. Yeah. Right. And, and have that, uh, I believe the term of art these days is token gated commerce. Yeah. Right. Where yeah. if you happen to hold this token, it could have been free, right. It could have been a proof of attendance um, at, at a, you know, Braves game. You're actually really interested in, you know, baseball cleats. I mean, that's, that's a little bit closer, I think, than what you're. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and then the other thing too, is it's like, how can you, like you said, but how can you define overlaps between communities? You know, where we are talking about if I go to a baseball game and they say 20% off everyone in the stadium, like a country concert, I'd maybe scan it, but my CE wouldn't. But there's like food fighters. He's like scanning it and all immediately they know overlaps of demographics and like can start using that data to market into them and for sponsorships or cross sales, like all of it is or like co-branding. Like all of it, a, a Braves Foo Fighters T-shirt, yeah. right? Yeah. Hell yeah! It's yeah. it's the A, but somehow it's affiliated with Foo Fighters. You know, it's yeah. I love that idea. I think that collaborations are something that I've followed from the periphery for a long time. I I have like StockX and uh, Goat and like all these things, and I don't really buy this stuff on there necessarily, but I'm just looking and seeing what people buy, right? Yeah. And just seeing what the market looks like and like what it's it's amazing. I mean, there's like it's pretty much like a stock market, right? Like it's an asset market. I mean, these are assets and now it's just tradable. And you have these people that are professionals. I, I talked to, I was at a, a family thing. Uh, it was just the, the Jewish holidays. And I was talking to a friend of ours who's, I think he's like 14, 15 years old. And their whole crew signs on to this one website. I think it's called like Mass Drop or something. Uh, and, and they all get on there and they all buy these sneakers and then they all resell them. And it's like, Man, I, when I was in, in high school and like, God, I'm, I'm 36, I'm not that old, but it would make me feel old. Like, it was like, what, like a lemonade stand or like, you know, like- <laughs> not like sophisticated. Yeah. I will say there's probably been people on like eBay for a long time. Yes. I think that like, you know, that was like the first platform where. But would you have ever thought a teenager would be on eBay? No. I mean, other than like the exceptions. Yeah. Like this yeah. is just like a group of like, I mean, they're pretty smart guys, but like they're not like, you know, geniuses, I would say. Yeah. Like maybe not, maybe so. But like to, to just make it so easy for them to trade this asset and buy this asset and play the game and honestly be better at it. 
than yeah. some of the people that have been doing it forever because they, those people may not understand how to use these digital platforms in the same way. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of facilitating that. It'd be cool to marry those two because I mean, streetwear and sneakers and all that, like you definitely see a lot of overlap with sports and there's a lot of collaboration opportunities. Well, yeah. And I'm so excited. I mean, it's so exciting. Like you said, artists, like these little niche communities are going to have so many cool opportunities soon because I think larger brands are actually going to maybe have to vote to even be able to market into them. You know, I think communities are going to be able to vote, be like, nah, we don't want that sponsorship money or we now nah, we don't want them. Like we don't agree with them. So there's going to be a whole, like, is your company going to be allowed to market into this community? Oh, you got the energy flowing right now. I love it. I honestly do. I can, I feel it from you and now I'm feeling it. Cause I'm thinking about like, all right. So now that you've got all this data, all this cross-platform data, like why wouldn't you give the fans some autonomy here? Mm-hmm. Right. And the fan can now go in and they can say, Hey, next month we're doing our standard once a month, you know, collaboration. Would you rather see Adidas, Nike, Russell? I don't you know. Champion, yeah. I think has made a big comeback for some reason. Uh, <laughs> and so like, I love champion and, and, and 90% of the people here, or even on a micro level, they could have different ones. Yeah. Someone could have an Adidas. Someone could have a champion. It could be based on speculation, which people hate to talk about. But, you know, a lot of the decisions we make are based on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. Um, yeah, that was that was a fun riff. I, uh, I'll definitely look back on this footage and I'll be excited to see where you are uh, in, a, in a few months and in a few years. Because um, it, it does, it seems like the general use case for uh, what first came out was like uh, athlete creates NFT, fans buy NFT speculators buy nft sell it up now it's like how do we actually cater to the fan and like it seems like you your team at credenza is doing a great job of that so i'll be following along you have a fan in the web through with me host whatever that's awesome for. thank you <laughs> well, the athlete is just walking around <laughs> trying to figure it out <laughs> as long as i'm curious i'll be deadly <laughs> yeah, i love it i love it um so uh i typically close out with two, two closing questions. Uh, the first one is, uh, how do you describe web three? Uh, well, it's, I, to me, like the heart of it is how you use, um, blockchain to disrupt, you know, cause it's, it is NFTs, it is crypto, it is the metaverse, it is cross domain. Um, but really the heart of it is smart contracts, but the heart of it, it's, it's how blockchains, you know, now part of this new internet. All right. So uh, my final closing question is, is obviously forward looking. Um, I've asked a few forward looking questions, so hopefully I didn't exhaust the answer yet. But, um, you know, where do you see yourself and Web3 as an industry in the next six to 12 months? And then where do you see yourself in Web3 in the next five to 10 years? And feel free to be as crazy as you want with the long term prediction. Look crazier, the better. Yeah, so I would say in the short term, it'll be about implementation of some of this technology, hopefully in six months being like, look what we did, look how much better the business is, and really like, you know, being like in the weeds and rolling my sleeves up and learning a lot is like the short term, you know, which is exciting because it's going live. Um, And then when you say going far out, that's where like Crazy Marsh comes out where I'm like, I want the athletes empowered, I want the small communities, like, but they're so like, they don't make a lot of business sense, but it's me of like, okay, I've done well here. And so in 10 years I can go, you know, corral the, like the babies um, and really 
like basically empower like the, I really love the fact that like the female athlete can own their fans and can take them with them everywhere and like from high school to college to the pros like they can own that and they can negotiate like anytime someone buys my jersey I get to know that fan data like for me it's crazy these platforms have basically said sorry athletes you're out um so for me going and disrupting that space I would love, I would love to just really get there and then like connect these communities, connect these athlete groups, you know, these creatives. Um, I really do think that's the future. I think athletes will be broadcasting more, creating more, um, really having a bigger impact around sport in a meaningful way. And so Web3 will be a good tool for them. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess from the perspective of of an athlete, a a D1 athlete, you know, and someone who went pro, what, what would that mean for you? If, you know, the visual is the organization is the support, but really there's two blocks here that are being connected by that organization, which is the the athlete and the fan. Does that make your day to day? Like, how does it change it? Does it make you happier? Does it make like, does it seem like more work? Like what, what, what how do how are you incentivized to, I guess, to, to want that direct connection? Well, I think you, you want it because it's not until you retire that you realize like now you've lost your platform. You know, you're not on TV. You're not in the spotlight. They they were leveraging you and kind of exploiting you while you're in the spotlight and then you leave and they're like you're in the shadows. You don't have any emails. You don't have a database. You're at double ground zero, you know, and to even on these social platforms be heard, you're very filtered. You're at their whim of, you know, are you producing content in a way they like. And really that doesn't foster an athlete like sitting and producing stories all day. That's at, that's not sustainable for an athlete versus if they actually have an authentic relationship with their fan once a week, I'm going to give you my update post game talks. I'm going to give you my updates. That's more authentic. And that's what they should be doing. They shouldn't be a slave to a platform that's making money off their content. They should be able to do what they want for their fans in a way that's meaningful for their fans and them. Cause that's actually sustainable. I love that. And a great way to close too. Cause I just, I, I see that as the most powerful thing. I mean, you, 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 you are a machine when you are an athlete, you're like, I mean, coming from my high school sports experience, uh, you are a machine when you are an athlete and, and you are just going and you're trying to do better every day. And it almost seems like it would just be like a big sigh of relief to start to have real authentic relationships with the people that come out and cheer you on day in and day out. And another great point in the fact that after you retire, you still have fans, right? They don't go anywhere. You just don't have the organizational support. So how do you continue that relationship? And I'm sure credenza hopefully will, will be able to figure that out as well. Yeah. I mean, if I'm involved for sure, (laughs) (laughs) let's go. I love it. Let's go. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on Marsha. I really enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and building this relationship over time. We're working on awesome stuff. All right. Thanks Zach so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to Web3 with me. If you enjoyed the show and want to help us grow, please hit the subscribe button on YouTube or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter at Zach underscore French underscore.